Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You guys are being seated. Go ahead and, and open up your Bibles, or I guess this service is open up your phones. Get your phone out and uh, open up to Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus chapter 16 is where we're going to be this morning. Last week, uh, I have the privilege, I'm so thankful uh, for Matt and elders allowing me to be able to come and, and, and preach the last couple Sundays, last week and this Sunday, calling this the gospel according to Leviticus. That the gospel is found all over scripture in every place and everything points to Jesus. And Leviticus is no different. Eh, it's a little difficult, but Leviticus is no different. And so last week we, liked, we talked about the burnt offering, and this week we're going to talk about the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement is perhaps the most important day on the Jewish calendar. It's the most important day throughout the entire year is the Day of Atonement. That some scholars said it even became referred to as simply the day. That they knew, hey, the day is coming when this celebration was going to happen. And this day points to the day of Jesus. And the main point of this chapter is that the day of atonement was established to bring cleansing to the most holy place, the holy place, the tent of meeting, the altar, the priest, and all of Israel one time a year. So Liam, go ahead and throw that graphic up there. Let me show you this. If you are here last week, you saw this graphic. This is what was called the tent of meeting, or maybe it was called the tabernacle for my King James people out there. Uh, this also became kind of how the setup of the temple was set up, is that you had this altar and the basin, and then you actually had this covered area, the tent of meeting, where you had the holy place. The squiggly line there is the veil, and behind the veil is the Ark of the Covenant, where God's presence was. That above the mercy seat seat on the Ark of the Covenant and below the wings of the cherubim is where God's presence resided. And only one time a year, the high priest went into this most holy place and made atonement for it. One time a year. And it was only the high priest and there was only ever one high priest a year. And so this day, this day of atonement was an incredibly important day in the life of Israel. My goal for you today, let me tell you where we're going. If you, if you miss, if you want to know less, what's, what do you want out of this? Here it is. I want you to understand atonement. I'm going to give you a definition and get ready, get ready, okay? We're going to say it together multiple times, okay? So go ahead. Look, I know some of you guys can be loud because I hear you yelling at referees at upward basketball games. So go ahead. You're going to get that. You're going to be loud. You're going to say it back and you're going to say it confidently and with boldness. And when you leave here, you're going to know a definition of atonement. But ultimately, I want you to recognize Jesus as the final fulfillment of the day of atonement. So to know atonement and recognize Jesus as the final fulfillment of the day of atonement. So what is atonement? This word in Hebrew, Kippur or Kippur, Yom Kippur is day of atonement. It appears 15 times in this chapter. 15 times in this chapter. It has two aspects. It's like a coin. You can't have one without the other. We're about to talk. We're about to talk. Get ready. The first aspect is propitiation. Everybody say propitiation. Also, we're not going to repeat that the rest of the time. That's the only time you have to say that. But I want to let you know I've been to seminary and read my books. All right. So 
propitiation means appeasing the wrath of God. It means satisfying the wrath of God. And this is accomplished by something or someone paying a ransom or paying a price. That there is a holy, just, righteous anger, wrath of God towards sin. And that, that price must be paid to appease or satisfy the wrath of God. That's propitiation. The other side of the coin is expiation. Everybody say expiation. Perfect. This means the purification of the sinner. That your sin, the stain of sin has been canceled. And thus, now you have been imputed or you've had the righteousness or the holiness or the purity of God put inside of you. So on this side, you have the wrath of God has been appeased. uh, But you also on this side, you have the holiness of God, the purification of God has been applied to the sinful person to where they are no longer unclean or sinful, but they are holy. So here is our four word definition of atonement hit that slide for me atonement wrath appeased purification applied wrath appeased purification applied now all throughout this sermon you gotta be ready for it i'm gonna say church what is atonement and you're gonna reply with four words wrath appeased purification applied so let's practice this church what is atonement Beautiful. You just keep bringing it with that energy. We're going to have a good time. By the way, if at any time I say something that you like, you agree with, man, you can say hallelujah, amen, praise God. You can raise your hand. I won't call on you, but that's perfect. Feel free to talk back to me. You know, I'm I'm a kind of a black guy chapped in a white guy's body, if you know what I mean. All right. So we're going to go to church this morning. So here's the deal. The reason you need atonement, the reason you need atonement is because sin endangers you and it pollutes you. That sin endangers you and it pollutes you. That sin brings death. The wages of sin is death. This is, uh, yes, it can bring a physical death and we know we will all die. But ultimately a spiritual death separated from God forever. And so there's this eternal death that unless something dies in your place, unless something appeases the wrath of God and makes you pure, you will die apart from God and never be able to enter into his presence. But sin also makes you impure or unclean. So you cannot come into the presence of a holy, holy, holy God if you are unclean. And so something or someone has to come about that will appease the wrath of God and that will make your pure. And his name is Jesus. And Leviticus 16 is all about Jesus. So church, What is atonement? Beautiful. Now there's a theological phrase for this called penal substitutionary atonement. Penal substitutionary atonement. Penal. Penalty. There's a penalty. There's a price. There's a wage. Okay? Because of our sin. Substitutionary. There's a substitute. Something dies in our place. Atonement. Wrath of peace. Purification of applied. I want to let you know this beautiful glorious truth of the bible okay this beautiful glorious truth of the bible of atonement wrath appeased purification applied penal substitutionary atonement has come under attack in recent days 
It has come under attack in recent days to where there are people that are denying penal substitutionary atonement. They are denying that Jesus went to the cross for their sins and died in their place and appeased the wrath of God and gave us his purification. Matter of fact, someone I went to college with seven or eight years ago on Good Friday, the day Jesus went to the cross, says on his social media, my Good Friday confession is this, I no longer believe in penal substitutionary atonement. And with that statement, this man condemned himself because if you deny that Jesus died in your place, you deny the gospel of Jesus Christ. So church, I'm going to equip you today through Leviticus 16 to face those fools and say, no, Jesus is our substitute. This is going in in seminaries and in churches closer than you think it would be. In church, we cannot let it because this is the heart and the soul of the gospel. According to Leviticus, according to the Bible. There's a great hymn called Rock of Ages, and it's all about this concept written three years ago. And uh, I would uh, encourage you to find that hymn and get in that hymn for the next couple days. It's a beautiful hymn that summarizes this entire sermon, and it's a lot shorter. So that would be fantastic. Here we go. We're going to break this text down into four ways. We're going to break this down into four ways. The first way, the problem for all. The problem for all. Let's turn to the Bible. Leviticus 16, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they drew near before the Lord and died. So after the death of the two sons of Aaron, Aaron is the high priest, and he has two sons. This is in Leviticus 10. They're also priests. All the priests come through the line of Aaron. And so they're at, the, they're at the, the, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting in the wilderness, and they decide they want to offer this incense to God. God did not command this incense. He, this is not what he told them to do. And so they flippantly get this idea that they're going to approach a holy God while they themselves are sinful. And they come to offer this God, uh, this incense, and they drew near, and God poured his wrath out on them, and they died right there in the tent of meeting. Because you had sinful people that tried to approach a holy God, that atonement did not rest on them, and they were clean and impure, and they approached a holy God, and they were struck down dead. And this is the problem for you and for I, for all of us. We have a holy, holy God, and we are not holy. So we cannot come into the presence of a holy God unless something appeases the wrath of God and makes us pure. And so look at verse 2. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is in the ark so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. So he says to Aaron, the high priest, do not come into my presence. Because behind the veil, I, my presence is going to reside. And if you try to come into my presence, you who are unclean and sinful and wretched, you are going to die, Aaron. So this is the problem. That you are a dirty, wretched sinner deserving of the wrath of God. If you were here last week, I made up a word. I combined wretched and rotten together and said, wretched, that's true. You're wretched. You cannot, because of your sinfulness, make yourself as holy as God. If you thought it's some scales, 
And so you have this holy God up here, and you decide, man, I, I'm going to memorize scripture, I'm going to share the gospel, and I'm going to go to church, I'm going to do these good things, then I'm going to do these things, and you're going to try to balance out these scales so that you can come before a holy God. You are gravely mistaken that your very little bitty sin separates you completely and forever from a holy, holy God. And this is a great problem and a problem for all. Look at verse 16. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place. Here's the reason for atonement. Because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of all their transgressions, all their sins, that Israel is unclean, so they need atonement. Israel has numerous amounts of transgressions and they need atonement. All their sins is the reason that they need atonement. And this word, transgressions, in the Hebrew, is the most grievous word for sin. It is the harshest word used to describe sin. So if you're thinking, man, I'm not as bad as this other person, you are gravely mistaken that all sin separates us and puts us on this path separated from God. So we greatly need something to come to satisfy the wrath of God and to make us pure and holy. So you're like, man, Les, you hammered us last week on this. Why are you doing this again? Church, don't forget how awfully wretched you are or you will forget how awesomely wonderful God is. Don't forget how great of a sinner you are or you will forget how great of a Savior we have. I hope you're here today because you understand that. And then you're going to make time out of your schedule to come and worship the risen Savior because you understand your utter helplessness before the Holy God, but you understand who Jesus is and what he did. So God tells Aaron in verse 2, Don't, you can't come into my presence. Ah, but I love verse 3. It's got a great word. If you have the ESV, that's what it starts with. Verse 3, but, it's beautiful, but in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place. Verse 2, you're not allowed to come. Verse 3, but in this way you can come. Verse 2, dirty, wretched, awful sinner. Verse 3, but God, rich in mercy, will make you alive in Christ. Verse 2, how can I do this? I can't do it myself. Verse 3, God will make a way. This is the gospel according to Leviticus that what you can't do, God did for you. I love but God. There we go, church. Good job. So church, what is atonement? Church, what is atonement? Beautiful, beautiful. All right. Our second breakdown of the scripture is the preparation for atonement. That in order for atonement to be made for Israel, there had to be a preparation time, a preparing time for the priest and for the people. So let's look at the preparation for atonement. Verse 3. But in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Last week. Verse 4. He shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body. And he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. 
Verse 5. And he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for his sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. We got a lot, we got a lot of things happening here. A lot of animals. Five animals if you're keeping score. Five animals are to be brought. Aaron, the high priest, there's only ever one high priest, is to bring two. He's to bring a bull for a sin offering for himself. And he's to bring a ram, which is a male sheep, for a burnt offering. Israel's to bring three. Israel brings two goats for a sin offering. And they bring one ram for a burnt offering. So five in total. Now let's look at what Israel's supposed to do with their goats. Look at verse 6. And Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself, and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Verse 7. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement for it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness to Azazel. So two goats for Israel. One goat is going to be killed. The blood is going to be spilled. But then there's this other goat. Now there's this word Azazel in there, and there's about four or five different theories of what that means. Um, that you can go look up if you, if you like to. But ultimately what this means is that that goat is known as the scapegoat. That on this goat the sins are going to be placed and it's going to be led outside of the city, sent away into the wilderness. And we'll circle back around and talk about that goat in a minute. But go back to verse 4. In the preparation for the Day of Atonement, look what the priest has to do. Look at verse 4. He shall put on the holy linen coats, and shall have the linen undergarment on his body. He shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. That if you were the high priest, and there's only ever one high priest in Israel, if you were the high priest, you wore this beautiful clothing. In my opinion, this is just my opinion, I think the high priest was at the very least the second best dressed man in all of Israel. Perhaps the king dressed a little bit better, but in my opinion, the high priest is, is at least in the top two of having some swag in Israel. Like, he wore this beautiful blue kind of kind of robe, turban, that was like this, this, this color, this base color, and, and mixed into this robe of, of blue were, were golds and, and purples and, and reds, and very beautiful. If you have the ESV study Bible, page 208, you can see a picture of this. And so uh, there's 12 stones on, on the breast piece that, 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 that uh, the high priest would wear that would represent the 12 tribes of Israel and all these different beautiful stone colors. And so when the high priest would go into town to do his shopping, if you didn't recognize the high priest by his face and by his beard, you recognized him by what he wore. You said, man, that's the high priest because he was so well dressed. But notice what it said here, that on the day of atonement, 
He's got to put on different clothes. And there's no colors. Mention just the linen this and the linen this and the linen that. This, these kind of white clothing is what commentators are saying. And that they would take off this beautifully dressed thing and they would lay it aside. Showing this idea of humility, of coming into the presence of the Lord. So uh, the, the, these clothes that the, the high priest would now put on are clothes that a servant or a slave would wear. That if the high priest now went out, to, went out in town to get a Coke, they wouldn't recognize him. They would be like, is it the high priest? I don't know, but he's wearing clothes of a slave or of a servant. So here's your gospel. According to Leviticus, this is how this points to Jesus. That in preparation to bring atonement, Jesus changed his clothes. That in preparation to make atonement, Jesus changes his clothes. Philippians 2, 7, it says, But he, Jesus, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Jesus took off the clothes of heaven. Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father, worshipped unending worship in heaven. And he takes off the clothes of heaven to come be a servant for you and I to make atonement. It's beautiful. Isaiah 53, 2 says, No form or majesty to look at him. No beauty that we should desire him. That's why they didn't recognize him. He didn't come as this great, incredibly glorious king. He came as a servant, a helpless baby. And so in preparation for atonement, Jesus changed his clothes. But also in preparation for atonement, Jesus gathered the animals. Or rather, should I say, Jesus gathered himself. John 1, 29, they see Jesus say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That Jesus changes his clothes, but Jesus is also, also the lamb. And he goes through this, this 33 years, his preparation to bring atonement. So here comes your question. Get ready. Church, what is atonement? Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. So there is the preparation for the day of atonement. It's going to bring us to our third section, the process of atonement. The process of atonement. Go ahead and throw that graphic up there. Let's get reacquainted with this graphic here. Because what's going to happen is atonement's about to be made for all of this. Got the Ark of the Covenant behind the veil, which is called the most holy place. Now you have the holy place, table for bread, the golden lampstand, the altar of incense. You come outside of that, and you have the water, the basin filled with water, and you have the altar. And notice the north, south, east, and west compass. So the process of atonement, look at verse 11. Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself. Notice three times the word says himself. Three times it says Aaron is to make atonement for himself that he's killed the bull. So before Aaron could go forth making atonement for the people, or before Aaron can proceed to make atonement for the holy place and the most holy place, he must make atonement for himself. Because just like you and just like myself, he is a sinner in need of the wrath of God to be appeased and the cleansing of God to be applied to him. And so atonement, the first process of atonement is for the high priest himself. Now look at verse 12. 
Verse 12. And he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small. And he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of, the in, of incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony so that he does not die. Verse 14, and he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side. And in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Verse 15, then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus, he shall make atonement. For the holy place, which is the most holy place. So Aaron, atonement's been made for Aaron. Aaron already has the blood of the bull. He now takes one of the two goats that Israel has. Kills the goat and takes the blood of the goat and goes into the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant is the presence of God. And notice he had to throw incense to create a cloud over the presence of God. Can't get into all that, but man, look that up. That is phenomenal. And so here, here's Aaron. He's in the most holy place. He's sprinkling blood seven times on the Ark of the Covenant. Seven times to make atonement. Seven times he's throwing the blood on there because it is the blood that appeased the wrath of God and purified the most holy place. Why seven times? All throughout Scripture you see seven. You see seven a lot in the book of Revelation. Seven is this idea of completeness, of wholeness that it has been completely atoned for. It has been fully atoned for. And so Aaron sprinkles the blood on the most holy place. And now he's about to work outside. So look at verse 16 again. It says, Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place, which is the most holy place, because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And he says, And so he shall do for the tent of meeting which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleanness. So he's supposed to do the same process. He comes out from behind the veil, and this is all called the tent of meaning. So now he goes to the table for bread, sprinkles the blood seven times. He goes to the golden lampstand, sprinkles the blood seven times. The altar of incense sprinkles the blood seven times because complete and full atonement has been made over those objects that the blood has appeased the wrath of God and has purified the tent of meeting. Now look at verse 17. It says, No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for the house and for all the assembly of Israel. There's only ever one high priest. And on the day of atonement, when the high priest enters into the tent of meeting, he cannot have anybody come help him. He is the only one allowed to go in there. There were other priests and Levites that on a normal day would be able to enter in and serve and help. They wouldn't go into the most holy place, but they could go into the holy place. But on the day of atonement... <clears throat> Only the high priest enters. No one else can go in except for the high priest. And so, he's made atonement for the most holy place. He's made atonement for the holy place. And now he's going to work his way outside. Look at verse 18. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. And shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. 
And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with its finger seven times and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the people of Israel. So he moves out of the tent of meeting and goes to the altar. I don't know why he bypasses the basin, but it's not in scripture. So he goes to the altar and he does the same thing, sprinkles the blood seven times, but this time on the corners of the altar, there are these horns. And so he's going to put blood on the horns of the altar, going to sprinkle it seven times because complete and full atonement has been made on the altar, that the blood has appeased the wrath of God and purified the altar. So church, what is atonement? Beautiful, beautiful. Verse 20. He's moving his way out to the people now. Verse 20. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of the man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. That atonement, they, there's still one goat left. And so this goat, the high priest, is going to lay both his hands on the head of this goat. Now let me tell you about this word in Hebrew. This word lay isn't like a nice little put my hand on the head. This is a leaning on. This is a depending on. This is a if you don't hold me up, I'm going to fall down type leaning that the priest the high priest is going to lay on and depend on the substitute and confess all of the sins of Israel. Man, that had to be a long time, right? Because I could confess my sins for a long time. And so all of the sins of Israel go on it. And this uh, goat is going to bear, is going to carry the sins outside of the tent of meeting when the temple is built. This goat is going to carry the sins of the people outside of the city of Jerusalem into the wilderness to die. And this is a visual representation of the removing of the sin and the making clean of the people of God, that their sin is no longer among them, that they have been made clean and pure because the wrath of God has been appeased and the purification of God has been applied. And so this is the gospel according to Leviticus. That Jesus is the final high priest who doesn't have to make atonement for himself because he is holy, holy, holy. Hebrews 7, 17. He, Jesus, has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily first for his own sins and then for those of the people since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. He did it once for all. Why? Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. That Jesus is the perfect and final high priest who is holy and pure. Like he, this guy, Jesus, God in the flesh, never had a bad thought. Ever. 
ever, ever, ever had a bad thought, let alone a bad word. He never had a bad thought because he is holy, holy, holy God in the flesh. And because he's God in the flesh, he becomes the final atoning sacrifice for you and for I, the gospel according to Leviticus. Jesus is also the final high priest who entered once for all into the most holy place. Back to Hebrews. Hebrews 9, 11 and 12 says this. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent of meeting, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Eternal, forever, never stopping having impact for the entire world, for all time, in all places, for all people. The priest had to go every year. Jesus goes once. Matthew 27, 51, Jesus is on the cross. Jesus says, it is finished, breathes his last, offers up his soul. And the gospel of Matthew says this, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. That curtain that separated the most holy place that where only the high priest could go was torn into from the top down, not from the bottom up because there wasn't no man that could come and grab it. It was God that tore it from the top down where now God's presence goes out. There's no longer a temple. God's presence now resides in the new temple, which is every believer of Jesus Christ. So if you put your faith in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit residing in you because Jesus entered into the most holy place, offered atonement, tore down the veil so that the Holy Spirit can come and reside on us. He entered once for all. Now notice on that graphic, throw it back up there for me. Notice on that graphic where he starts on the day of atonement. Starts in the ark, the ark of the covenant, most holy place. One time a year, one time a year. And yet atonement has to be made in the most sacred place of all of Israel. The most sacred place of all of Israel that only a human goes into one time a year still has to have atonement made. And then he works his way out. He works his way out to the holy place and outside. Because here's the deal. There is no place that sin does not touch. There is no place in your life that sin does not touch. And so you need clean, cleansing every part of you, every part of Israel. Sin messed everything up. And some of you are singing a VBS song right now. Sin messed everything up. And there is no place that sin has not messed up. There's no place. That is the greatest problem in the world today is that sin has come in and sin has messed everything up. And so why are we in turmoil? Why do we have these problems that we have? Because of sin. We are in need of atonement for the wrath of God to be appeased and for purification to be applied. There is no place that sin did not touch. But oh, there is no place that Jesus cannot atone. There is no place that Jesus' blood cannot go. There is no place where Jesus' arms do not reach. So no matter how far you're running from him, Jesus is right there. We were at church camp a couple weeks ago. And this girl, man, she had a gift of public speaking. 
And she gets up there, she begins to share her testimony. And she said something that resonated with the students. That she, man, man, she, she got the fire of the Lord and she's trying to live her life as this living burnt offering. And then you know, as it happens, she begins to wander from the Lord. And she begins to walk away from the Lord. She begins to walk away from the Lord and she's feeling like, man, I need to come back to the Lord. I need to come back to church. But in her mind, she's thinking, man, I've run so many miles away from the Lord and it's exhausting that I don't want to run all these miles back. Like, it was this exhausting to run away. How much more exhausting is it going to be to run back to God? And she realized, she realized that God has ran after her to every place, sinful place that she went. God was right there next to her going, just turn. I'm right here, my baby. I'm right here, my child. I'm right here. And so, oh, sinner in here, if you're like, man, I've run away from God. Unless you don't know the things I've done. You know, I don't even know why I'm in here. I'll tell you why you're in Because God brought you in here today to hear this message that God is right there. There is no place where you will go where God has not already gone to make atonement. So just turn and repent. He's here for you. There is no place where Jesus cannot touch. So if you've got some secret sins, come and confess them. Get rid of them because sin will continue to mess you up until you get rid of it and, and place it on Jesus. You had those two goats. You had one that was killed. Blood brought into the place, made atonement. And you had the other goat. The other goat where the sins were placed on the head, the scapegoat, and it was carried outside of the city. Jesus is the goat. Students, come on, help me out here. Jesus is the goat. Jesus on the cross, he had to carry his cross before he got put on the cross. He had to carry that cross through the streets of Jerusalem outside of the city gates, up to Calvary. He fulfilled both the, live, the dead goat that got killed and he's also the live goat where the sins were placed on him and carried the sins outside of the city because Jesus is the goat. Some of y'all are tracking. Let me help you out. My acronym people. Jesus is the greatest of all time. Jesus is the greatest of all time. He is Kratone. There is nothing better. He is the supreme being who came to make atonement. So if you love acronyms, I've got another one for you. That in Jesus, God offers atonement today. That in Jesus, God offers atonement today. He is the goat. There is nothing better. You cannot do great things because Jesus has already done the greatest thing ever. So we just want to point people to the greatest thing ever. Okay, here we go. Quiz time. Church, what is atonement? Beautiful. Last point. Last point. The permanent day of atonement. The permanent day of atonement. Look at verse 29. And it shall be a statute to you forever that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. Verse 31, it is a Sabbath of solemn rest to you, and you shall afflict yourselves. It is a statute forever, 
And the priest who is anointed and consecrated as priest in his father's place shall make atonement wearing the holy linen garments. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary. He shall make atonement for the tent of meaning and for the altar. Shall make atonement for the priest and for all the people of all the assembly. Verse 34. And this shall be a statute forever for you. That atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in the year because of all their sins. And Aaron did as the Lord commanded. The permanent day of atonement. Notice it says the statute forever multiple times. That this shall be a statute forever. Some of you may be skeptics in here. And you're going, hey, I don't see Israel still sacrificing. I don't see Israel still doing this on the day of atonement. The Bible lies. The Bible has errors. Oh, my friends, it does not. Because the permanent day of atonement, the statute forever is found in Jesus. So there's no more offering of goats and bulls. There was the offering of Jesus once and forever. This is the gospel according to Leviticus. Yeah. I'm not done yet though. I got a new graphic for you. Look at this graphic. You see it? You see it? The way the items are arranged in the tent of meeting, the way the items would be arranged in the temple, points to the cross. They point to the cross. The way they're set up. Go read Exodus of how they're supposed to be set up. This is not like less reading into the text. This talks about on the north side, you should put this. On the south side, you should put this. That the tent of meeting points to the cross. And in John, the gospel of John, Jesus has said that he is the new temple. Because this points to Jesus. In John 2.19, Jesus says, man, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. And they get all mad. Man, it took forever to build the temple. And Jesus is like, I'm talking about myself, homie. I'm talking about myself. That this temple where the presence of God is, it points to the cross. Don't miss the cross. But oh, it gets better. Notice I put that compass on there. Well, I had it put on there. I didn't design that. You entered the tent of meeting from the east side. Some of y'all don't like to go to the east side. The east side's good. You entered from the east side because the Garden of Eden, you entered the Garden of Eden from the east side. So what was going to happen one day when Jesus comes back, he's going to restore us to the Garden of Eden and we enter through the east side. It points to the cross. It points to atonement. In the wilderness, the 40 years that Israel had to hang out in the wilderness because of their sins, when they would stop and they set up camp, they would roll out the tent of meeting and they would set it up first. And the 12 tribes would be set up around the tent of meeting. This is why, this is why you read all scripture. Man, this is all found in Exodus. It's beautiful. And there are three tribes that are told that you set up on the north side of the tent of meeting. And there are three tribes that are told, man, you need, to, you need to set up on the west side of the tent of meeting. And there are three tribes that are told, you set up camp, uh, a camp on the south side. And then there's three tribes that are told that they set up on the east side. And then there's one tribe that is told that they are to be the first tribe closest to the entrance of the tent of meeting on the east side. And that's the tribe of Judah. Some of you know your Bible, you're like, oh, I got you. Because you see, Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. 
So the first tribe to enter into the tent of meeting is going to be the lion of the tribe of Judah to make atonement for you and I. The first person to enter into to make atonement is going to be the lamb of God from the tribe of Judah. Do you see this beautiful? It all points to Jesus. And you know there's that basin for water and that altar where the blood is spilled? Jesus is on the cross. The Romans, they take a spear, they pierce his side. What comes out? Water and blood. The blood to appease the wrath of God and the water to make you pure. It's beautiful. And notice that it says once a year the priest is to make atonement. Once a year. Because you see, once a year points to this beautiful phrase in the New Testament. Once for all. That the priest entered once a year. Jesus entered once for all all Hebrews 9 12 he carried once for all into the holy places not by means of the blood of goats and calves but by means of his own blood thus securing an eternal redemption so remember the problem you are a dirty wretched sinner in need of atonement And yet Jesus comes, appeases the wrath of God, and makes you pure forever. Don't miss this. That every year Israel had to have the Day of Atonement because their sins would make them unclean. Their sins would make them not be able to enter the presence of God. And yet now, because of the permanent Day of Atonement, you are clean forever before the Lord. And no matter what you did last night or six months ago, when God the Father looks at you, his children, he sees you as the very holiness of his son, Jesus. Get that, church. That because of what Jesus did on the cross, you are pure and clean before the Lord. I tell the students this all the time, that if they haven't, they're going to do something stupid. Hallelujah, amen, right, adults? They're going to do something dumb. They're going to be sinful idiots at some point. But then we lift our eyes up to the cross and we realize that Jesus has made us pure. And so we're not unclean before the Lord. We just need to repent that Jesus has put in us his very righteousness. And so therefore we are clean forever because of the permanent day of the Lord. Hallelujah. So church, there's three responses today. Actually, there's two... Three responses. Why don't you go and stand up? As I close this out, why don't you go and stand up? <clears throat> you may be in here today and you're like, dude, you are crazy, loud, tattooed, comb over. I don't know what to do with you. But you're like, but I, I need that. Oh, I need you to come down here, come see me. So we can chat about that. Because Jesus offers you atonement today. So if you don't know if you're a follower of Jesus, you're like, man, I've never been. I want to be. Today is your day. So come down here when we start to sing in just a little bit. For my believers, you have two responses. You have two responses. Your first response goes off last week. Offer yourself daily as a living burnt offering. Worship. Worship. Lift your voices in worship. Lift your lives in worship. Worship. Your second response, it's not as easy perhaps. 
is to don't be silent about this. Isaiah 62, 1, Isaiah says, For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her, Jesus' righteousness, goes forth as brightness, her salvation as a burning torch. Church, let's not be silent. Let's go forth until we see the streets of Belton and Central Texas and Colleen burning hot, bright because of the salvation and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Don't be silent. I told you about a great hymn, Rock of Ages. We're about to sing it. Sing it. If you need Jesus, come meet me down here. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705. If you need prayer or need to talk with someone, we're here to listen, help, and encourage.